punch the pin that cursed my lover. I cannot lie. I hit him with my left hand, then with all my might. They chased me all through town, but now I'm underground. I will not go down without a because it mentions Buck Holler and the Woolsey Boys, and these are all things that are like Summersville, Mountain View, like things, and that's where we're both from, that area, so it's kind of cool. It's like going back in time. So anyway, uh, he's never, have you ever punched a Woolsey Boy in the face? I don't think you have. No, it's a joke, so 
Anyway, uh, it's available on Spotify if you uh, want to listen to that again. So, a uh, great day in general. I know we talk about the Chiefs. We've got some Tampa Bay and some, some Packers stuff going on here, too. You guys don't tussle or anything there. So, uh, But a great day overall. Uh, let's enjoy it. Uh, I heard a rumor now. I don't know if I should say this or not. Is Phil back in action next week? Was that supposed to be a big reveal? I don't know. Like some home, home, like home makeover show? Some big reveal? And we have Phil here? No. Anyway, so we'll see what happens. So he pulls up in an RV with Ty Pennington. Is that the guy's name? All right. Let's do this. All right. Would you guys stand with us? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much that you are with us now and always. We thank you that we can come into your house and worship. I pray, God, that you just prepare our hearts um, to hear your voice, God. And um, I just pray that you show up in a mighty way, Lord, like you always do. Amen. So 
I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures of faith are never enough. And you came along and put me back together.
for singing with us. Thank you. Thanks, band. Um, so I was kind of moved by that song, and I, I want to open us in prayer band. I know you guys are going to your seat. That's fine. But Father, we come to you right now, and uh, those words, just nothing can be better than you. I want, I want to get to the point where if you said throw your iPhone in a lake, I could throw it in the lake if that's what it took to get closer to you, and I wouldn't even think twice about any of the barriers that come between me and you because there's just nothing that is better than you, and there's so many things in this world that just slow me down or, or kind of block uh, my path to you and knowing what you want for my life and just those joys of just having that unhindered relationship with you, Father, and so that's my prayer uh, for myself and for this congregation is just to show us and reveal to us what are those things that are, are keeping us from knowing you fully, that joy, that nothing is better than you. And when we say that, we mean it to the point where there's nothing in our lives that we are putting before our relationship with you, Father. And I just, I thank you for that, that song. I thank you for those words. Amen. Uh, all right. So some announcements. We uh, meet here on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 for something that we call The Gathering. It has been a very great experience. Uh, most of the time, sometimes we dive into the Word and get to Scripture, but we kind of flipped to the traditional uh, small group setting to where we do prayer requests first instead of last. And a lot of times that's what we do for the entire time is we just go and take prayer requests and we pray over each other. And it has just been an awesome experience to get to know some uh, cross-pointers that hadn't known before what their struggles are and to be able to pray over each other. So I would encourage you to come on uh, Wednesday at 6.30. It's kind of like Netflix or any of those other streaming services. There's a free trial. You can show up, and if you're like, this is awful, I don't like this whatsoever, bye, then that's fine. Don't come back. You can still come Sunday morning. It's fine. I just don't want you to think that, like, you come on Wednesday night, and everybody's like, where were you? We haven't seen you in eight weeks. We've been keeping tally. No, come and see if, you, if it's something you want to be a part of. Um, no obligation. We also uh, have a youth meeting tonight, right, Clay, from 5 to 6 p.m. That is tonight. Tonight. Clay, raise your hand again. I'm pointing at him. There's his hand. If you are of youth age or you know somebody of youth age, even if they're not here right now and you're like, dude, I know a youth who needs some Jesus, uh, you can talk to Clay and he might be able to help you connect some of those dots. Uh, the meal train for the Sousas, have we filled that up? Whoever's responsible for that? We're good. Okay, meal train for the Sousas is good. Hope to see them back next week. Uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, we are still taking uh, donations for Deb Heberlin, who has been uh, fighting cancer to help her out with uh, some of her medical bills. Uh, Deb is a true blessing to this church. So you can do that there uh, by the lamp of deliverance. There is our offering box, and you can put an envelope in there and just write Deb. And anything that's in that envelope that says Deb will go to Deb. Or come talk to me if there's uh, another way that would be more convenient for you to donate. One way or another, we'll make sure that your money goes there. On our Facebook page, there's also a link to her GoFundMe. If you donate through the church, we will match up to $2,000 of your donation. Uh, we can't do that through the GoFundMe, but either way, if it's easier for you to donate online, as long as it gets to Deb, that's what we're concerned about. Uh, there is a business meeting next Sunday after church. So if you call Crosspoint Home, you're a member of the church, uh, we'll go over some financials and just some of the behind-the-scenes, how-the-gears-turn stuff. 
So if you are uh, a member or call Crosspoint Home involved in the church, please uh, consider staying after church next Sunday. Uh, and then there's a hygiene drive that I think uh, a couple of the kiddos wanted to talk about. This is a completely self-initiated initiative uh, that the, kid, the kiddos in the kids area came up with. And so I'm going to let Cordelia and or Miller tell you guys a little bit about it. So we're collecting soap, deodorant, toothpaste, and toothbrushes for people that don't have hygiene products so they can get clean so they don't stink and they... So, um, also a part of this drive there, you just donate your extra toothbrushes, deodorant, and you know, buy, buy them, do whatever, new ones. Well, probably. And also there's a black bucket back there that you put them in. Thanks, guys. And that's through the end of February. So you can put any hygiene items in that black bucket through the end of February. I'm very proud of uh, the kids in the kids area for setting this up. It'll all go through people helping people. Uh, that concludes announcements. We're going to have a five-minute connection break. There's a lot of people in here, so please social distance wherever and whenever you can. But five minutes uh, to go to the bathroom, whatever you got to do in five minutes. Three, two, one, go. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you have joined us this morning, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, we are super excited to have you. Um, I do want to say thank you to everyone who's wearing a mask. If you don't have a mask and you want a mask, we have masks that we can provide. Um, but just uh, know that that is available to you. But I did want to say thank you for those of you that are doing that. As you see, we do have some food that won't become normal quite yet again. But we did have a shower here yesterday because... People in our church are being fruitful and multiplying, and so we had extra food left over, and we decided to share that with you. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I know quite a few people who fit this category, but I, I do think we all know at least one person who uh, lives in the past, right? Anybody? I'm not asking you necessarily to raise your hand, but we all know somebody who lives in the past. They can't seem to outlive their glory days, and man, they long for those days of yesteryear. And because of that, they're not able to fully appreciate living in their now, right? They're missing out on the blessings that they're receiving in life now because they're too focused on the way that things were. In our passage today, Paul is addressing believers who are having issues letting go of the past. When we accept Christ, we die to our old selves and we become new creations. And so we're going to talk about how we let go of our former selves and cling to the new people that we are supposed to be. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. We'll start in verse 1, and we're going to look at uh, verse 1 through 4 to begin. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The first thing that we need to understand is that we were raised to be raised. Now, I feel like I just earned my badge for pastoral play on words. We all get a vest. I don't know if you guys know this. And then we earn different patches. We just sew them on. So I had to, I had to work towards this. But um, we were brought low, right? Raised, R-A-Z-E-D, destroyed, brought down by our death with Christ, so that we could be raised, built up with our resurrection with Christ. And because of our rebirth, we have to think about things above. 
Paul talks about how there's a mindset change. You see, it's not just about moving from death to life. It's about elevating the things that you think of and think about in the way that you live your life from things that would bring you death to things that would now bring you life. And so we have to think about heavenly things, Jesus things, understanding that the authority in our life has changed. You see, once we were ruled by our sin and by our flesh and by our earthly desires and all the things that we wanted for ourselves, but once we accept Christ, we have a new authority. And Paul makes sure that the believers know that Christ is an authority figure by, by letting them know that he sits at the right hand of the Father, right? A, the position of authority in the traditional king's court, the right hand of the king of all creation. Jesus is sitting right there next to him. And so he has that authority in our lives. Paul's charge here is to switch our thinking from things that are temporarily important to eternally important. My life's question has derived from this passage. What's a life's question? Well, it's a question I ask myself before I make any major decision. And that question is this, is it eternally important? When I was younger, I used to struggle with church because of all the little nagging rules that you had to follow, right? Based on the way you dressed or don't bring a drink into the sanctuary or, uh, you know, if you're at a potluck, make sure that all the ladies go first. And I'm like, I'm a big boy. I'm growing. I'm hungry. I, I'm, that's a joke, right? But the question that, that has started to change the way that I think and that has started to help me develop the way that I feel like God thinks about things on earth is, is it eternally important? Do I need to tear somebody down because they brought a drink into the sanctuary and make them feel awful because we just got our carpet shampooed? Is that eternally important? The answer there is obviously no. It's a question of values and focus. And I'm going to be honest with you, if I can't answer this question in the affirmative with, with absolute confidence, then I need to let it go. And I think it's a question that all of us should adopt. Is it eternally important? I'm holding on to this grudge. Is that eternally important? I'm not forgiving that person that's wronged me? Is this eternally important? Is it bringing glory to God? And if I can't answer that with an absolute yes, then I need to find a way to let it go. And the best way to do that is to lay those things at the feet of Jesus. Now, I will say this. Our decision-making process always has to have that involved, right? I talked about it. before I make any major decision, that's a question I ask myself. Is it eternally important? And it's got to be in there with that decision-making process. And we're not always perfect in it. Paul, who's writing this letter to the Colossians in Romans 7.15 says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do it. But I hate, but what I hate, I do. Right? Because we're humans and we fail. And so I'm not sitting here talking to you like, hey guys, I've got this all figured out and I'm perfect and I don't ever make mistakes and sometimes I don't choose a thing that's temporarily important and I've got all my eggs in the line. That's not a thing, right? Like I've got everything figured out. Ducks in a row. That's what I was looking for. Ha <laughs> ha. Right? We're not always perfect in it. Paul wasn't either. But as verse three made it very clear to us, we do not rely on ourselves. Our life is hidden in Christ. So no longer are we supposed to live by our power. It, it's not about our ability. It's about the ability that we have through God. 
And since we're hidden in Christ, we have to rely on him and live by a power that's beyond this world. We can't rely on ourselves, us fallible, stupid humans, right? Because we make mistakes. We're sinful by nature. We're sinful by nature. Instead, instead what Paul says is let Christ be your life and lead your life because through him and only him, that's how we reach glory. Then he goes on in Colossians 3, 5 and says that, hey, in order to do this, we have to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put your earthly nature to death. When Paul writes this, the way that he writes this in the original text makes it very clear that it's a command. And it's not just any command. It's a command that has finality to it. You are to put off right now, once and for all, these things. You have to get rid of them because you can't be serving two masters. You can't be be participating in these things and yet experience glory with Christ because Christ is not in these things and he cannot be in these things. So we must remove them from us the first thing he mentions is sexual immorality. The Greek used here is porn, the word the Greek word used here is pornea. It speaks about specific sexual acts of sin. Porn, prostitution, strip clubs, sex outside of marriage, the things that pervert sex. Sex is a heavenly gift. And sometimes I think as Christians we lose sight of that. Because it can easily be corrupted with a sinful heart. Very easily. I'm going to be real honest with you. Sex is more of an act of praise than it is an act of self-gratification. And we need to teach our young kids that. Because what happens is they think it's all about feeling good. It makes me feel good. And so I'm going to do it. But sex, is, it's an act of praise. It's an act of worship. Thanking God for a partner that he has given you for life. And it is a wonderful and beautiful thing. And yes, it will make you feel good. But we can't pervert it. And then Paul also says that we have to get rid of impurity. Now, at first glance, it seems like, hey, all these things are connected. The first three, really, right? He says sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. And we all equate those with sexual sins. Because that's what the church has always done. It seems like there's a connection. And it's not that... There isn't, but it's much more broad. It's much more encompassing. You see, anything really outside of the realm of sexual nature, in the words of the great Clay Miller, very intelligent guy if you haven't spoken with him, to live according to the word is pure. To live outside of the word or against the word is impure. And so it may include sexual sin, but it is certainly not limited to sexual sins. And we could say the same thing about lust. Lust is really any uncontrollable passion that you have, right? That desire, fellas, to go shoot people up and call of duty or is Fortnite still cool? Probably not. Maybe it is. Tyler, you still play it, don't you? Be honest. It's okay. I, I have to, right? But, but I'm saying like any uncontrollable urge that we have, like I can't do anything else right now until I get some food because I am hangry, Right? Any desire, anything that we are just chasing after, and it can fit into any area of your life, any time, 
Hear this. Anytime we unbridle our desires for earthly things and it takes the place of our desire for God, because what happens when we lust is that we start to make idols of the things that we lust for. And so we start to serve other gods. So anytime that we unbridle our desires for earthly things and we, we lust after anything that's not God, we're moving God to the backseat and letting that thing take charge in our life. We may lust for success. We may lust for notoriety, for our freedom, for our comfort, for attention, all sorts of things. And then Paul says, hey, not just these three, but evil desires. When you hear evil, I want you to think of the word wrongful. Wrongful desires. You see, because evil desires are a wrongful craving for a given outcome. Like David had for Bathsheba when he saw her bathing on the roof, that was an evil desire. And it led him to murdering her husband and taking someone else's wife as his own. So anytime we have a craving for a given outcome, you ever have someone cut you off in traffic and say, man, I hope they wreck? Nobody else has said that, just me? I shouldn't admit it, I know. <laughs> but like, I get slapped on this arm a whole lot when I'm driving. Somebody cuts me off, I'm like, I hope they wreck. Stop it. Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry. You're right. Shouldn't say that. Right? Driving like a maniac, idiot. They're going to get what's coming to them. That's an evil desire. Anybody have a coworker that you want to get the axe? As my friend used to say, he got quit, right? Like he didn't quit, he got quit. Anybody ever have that desire? They've wronged you in some way. They're just really annoying. They don't ever shut up. They take credit for everything. They make everybody's life harder. Lord, just let them get fired, right? Just please, that's an evil desire. Or maybe you pray that you win the Powerball, but somebody already did, so now you're not going to get that much money. But you pray that you win the Powerball so you can call your boss from the beach and just say, hey, by the way, you're never going to see me again. Except for on the news. Because all I do is win, win. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Evil desires. And then the last thing Paul says is you've got to get rid of greed, which we associate with money, but truly can be about anything we desire or fixate on that we don't have. And Paul calls this idolatry. This is idolatry because we seek satisfactions in things that we don't have rather than what we have been blessed with. And so Paul's saying, you have to get rid of this church in Colossus, Colossian church, because you're serving other gods. You're living in the old way of life. You're still clinging to that old way of life. You're still desiring that old way of life. And you're not living in the blessing that Jesus has brought to you now. And so often we do that and we don't understand that it's us being greedy. Because what we really want is our cake and we want to eat it too. We want, we want the love of Jesus and we want the forgiveness and we want to go to heaven and we want to avoid hell. But we also want to do whatever the heck we want. Because it's fun or it feels good or it's gratifying. Right? That person cut me off in traffic, I want to pit maneuver him. I saw it on cops once. I know how it works. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is what we're doing. We are praising the God of want rather than the God that we have. We are praising the God of want 
rather than the God that we have. I want this and I want that. And we tell ourselves that that is what we need when really all we need is Jesus. And we have to be able to move past that. Paul goes on to say in chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You see, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. These things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, only bring the wrath of God. That's their only outcome. It's the only possible outcome. They not only kill us here on earth, but they ensure that we stay dead forever. And because that's the case, we cannot afford to remain the way that we were before. Well, I was born this way. For as long as I can possibly remember, I've struggled with this sin. You're right. You were born that way. You were born a sinner. You were born with sinful nature. But tell me when, at what point, any of us was supposed to stay the way that we were. Since the day that Adam and Eve screwed everything up, we were never, ever supposed to remain the way that we were. Rather, we are supposed to allow God to change us into the way that we are supposed to be. And he gave us the ultimate way to make that happen, Christ. So that even while we were still dead, even while we were still sinners, even while we were still making terrible decisions that were bringing us nothing but heartache and pain and death, he still died for us. And that is why God is love. And if you can't see that as loving, then I don't know what else you need to be told. You don't have a list of qualifications that you have to meet. You just have to surrender yourself to Jesus. And we have to rid ourselves of these things because that's the only way that we can be brought to glory with him. But we don't have to rely on our own power. That's what Paul's saying. We have the power of Christ. We rest in him. I'm going to say it. The power of Christ compels you to do good things. We need to understand it. We need to cling to that. We need to know. And so Paul says, rather than remain in the old way, you have to remove, much like you would a cloak or a coat, the things that we were once clothed in, just like old dirty clothes. You've got to get rid of them. And we must take off anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from our lips. Which if there's one that we struggle with, let's all be honest, it's that last one most likely. Stub a toe, son of a you-know-what. Right? Singing devil went down to Georgia, here it comes. We have to remove these things from our life. Because these things, those things that he tells us to take off, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language... They are seeds that blossom into sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed. So remove them. And also, Paul says in verse 9, 
do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. See, one of the key aspects of Christianity is that we're all in this together. We are the church, not a bunch of individuals that go to a church. And part of being a Christian is being able to hold one another accountable for the way that we live our lives. To be able to look at your brother and your sister in Christ with love in your eyes in a way that they know they are loved and say, you are doing this, but it is wrong and it is sinful and it is going to bring you death. And so you need to change that. And to be able to have them come to you and say, you're doing this. I noticed lately you've been having an issue with lust or you've been having an issue with telling lies. Or, hey, you remember when we were at the mall the other day? Like, I saw you slip something in your pocket. Are you struggling with stealing stuff? Like, right? We need to be able to confront one another about the sins in our lives. And so we can't build relationships off of lies. So don't lie to one another. Be upfront. Be honest. My closest friends are not the people who are the most holy and the most devout. Many of them are holy and many of them are devout. But that's not what I look for in friendships. My closest friends are the ones who are upright, forthcoming, will tell you like it is, and you never have to wonder what they're thinking, good or bad. Good or bad. I'm going to brag on some people and they're going to hate me for it, but... Zoe Ware. I love having conversations with Zoe Ware. You want to know why? She's going to tell me what she thinks. I don't have to wonder. Some of you will talk to me and blow smoke up you know where all day long and tell me how great I am and you're full of it. <laughs> Zoe will be like, hey, you big dummy. Remember when you said this? You're not doing it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Zoe. Susan Plemons, she's not here today, but I'm going to tell you one thing I don't ever have to worry about is what is Susan thinking? Because if she has an issue, she'll be an adult and she'll come and approach me with it. And I love it. Doesn't always feel good what they have to say. Sometimes it stings a little bit. But at least I know what they're thinking. And I know that they're trying to resolve an issue. And I can always appreciate that. We have to be real. We have to be honest about our struggles. We're Christians. We're not perfect. We're Christians. We don't have it all figured out. We struggle. We sin. We are still at times ungodly, but we are striving towards something beyond ourselves. We need to be real about our struggles. We need to be real about our sin. We need to be real in our relationships with other people. Let them see the sadness. Let them see the anger. Don't lie to one another because then we can't have relationships built on trust. And then we can't hold one another accountable. And all we're doing is pushing one another towards the gates of hell. That's honesty. And we can't do that. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We have to understand that there is no distinction made among men other than their connection to Christ. You are either in Christ or you are out of Christ. 
And those of you that are in Christ are not perfect. You just happen to be in Christ. And those people that you know that are out of Christ, your only goal in life should be to bring them in to Christ, into a relationship with Christ. That's all that's important. It's the most loving thing that we as Christians can do. Even though they may feel like we're being judgmental. Even though they may think we're being haters. Even though they're going to call us a hypocrite. Even though they'll tell us how perfect we think we are. We can hold a lot of that off by the way that we approach them. But it's still our job to do that. It's still our duty to do that to take those that are out of Christ and bring them into Christ. To at the very least make sure that they have heard the message that they can be loved and they are loved and that they can be forgiven and that they will be forgiven if they will just accept that forgiveness. We have to be disciples who make disciples. Because at the end of the day, you either represent the old or you represent the new. You either represent life or you represent death and you are either bringing life and light or you are bringing death and darkness and that is a choice that you get to make paul finishes up in 12 and 14 and says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion with kindness with humility with gentleness and with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, when they used to clothe themselves back in this day, they'd wrap themselves lastly in a belt. Because they had like all, like even the dudes were all wearing like dress type garments that were free flowing in the wind and nobody wanted a Marilyn Monroe moment. So at the end of the day, they'd get their tunic on and they'd throw their burlap sack over them. It's not the technical term, but you know, the thing they wore. <laughs> they'd get their leather sandals on and like, man, my man dress looks good today. The females would just say, my dress looks good today. And the men would put on a belt. And when I read this passage, that's kind of the visual that I see. You see, we, we put on these things. We, we clothe ourselves in compassion. And we put on our kindness and our humility and our gentleness and our patience. And then over all that, we put on love to make sure that it's all held in there together. Because at the end of the day, as Christians... These are the lenses with which, we was, with which we must view the world. We are not of this world. Stop being disappointed and surprised when it fails you. Stop being shocked when sin wins here on earth. We are not of this world. This world is not what God had intended it to be because we couldn't follow simple instructions. And so sin runs rampant. And guess what? It will. Well, pastor, things are only getting worse. Duh! 
Read your Bible. They're going to. Things aren't going to get better. Not eternally better. Not with things that matter of eternal importance. It's only getting worse. But we can at least try to do something about it. We can live in a way that shines light in darkness. As representatives of light, we must choose to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience rather than all the other things that we talked about today. These have to be the attitudes with which we treat others. And here's the thing that we all struggle with the most. And I know I'm running over time, but this is good stuff, so you're okay. Hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. These things, they are not, not bolded, underlined, italicized, 57-point font. These are not conditional. These are not an option for you. We don't base these things off of how we are treated or how someone else has treated us. Not conditional. In fact, they are unconditional. Because no matter what happens in our life, no matter the way that people treat us, no matter the way that they wrong us, we still belong to Christ. You still belong to Christ. No matter what has happened to you, no matter how you have been wronged, no matter how somebody has sinned against you, you still belong to Christ. You are still in Christ. As a Christian, that is your only resting place. And so how dare you let the way that you treat other people sway based off of the way that they treat you? What do you think would have happened to us if Christ did that? They nailed him to a cross. They beat him. They flogged him. He bled. He was spit upon. He was shown no care in the world. Who wants to line up and take a nail through the hand? We got some boards right there on our wall. I don't think anyone. Did his character change? Did his love for the world change? Did he decide at some point in his walk up to the hill that he was going to back out? Don't think for one second that he couldn't have because he could have. But he didn't. Because these things are not conditional. I'm not angry. I love you. I just want to be clear about that. Here's a smile. But we have to understand this. Because too many times I hear my brothers and my sisters tell me, well, you should have heard what they did. Well, guess what? I don't care. I don't care. Not in an I don't care that you were wronged sort of way. Not that I don't care in a way that you were hurt sort of way. I do care about those things. Because I love you. And I don't want those things to happen to you. But I don't care in a way that it shouldn't change who you are. Their actions shouldn't 
change you. Because when we put love over all these things, what we do is we unify ourselves as manifestations of the love of Christ. When we do these things, Christ is seen through you. You know, we all would say that our faith would be so much easier if Jesus would just walk in, holes in hands like, hey guys, look, you can see light through it, right? We don't, oh, it's Jesus. This makes so much sense now. It would be so much easier if the world could just see Jesus walking around today. Then they'd know that we were right. Then they would know that we're not crazy. But don't underestimate that they will see Christ through you. It's all about how you choose to live your life and how you choose to represent him. Let's pray. God, I want to come to you right now and I want to thank you for this day. At the end of the day, our only prayer is that you give us what we need because you know exactly what that is. Help us to clothe ourselves in things that are good, in humility, in kindness, in grace, in gentleness, in compassion, and patience. And help us to forgive people who have trespassed against us, who have wronged us. Because, Lord, you have forgiven us in that same exact way we praise your name because we find you to be worthy and holy and wonderful may we all every single one of us submit to Christ's authority today and heed Paul's words in Colossians chapter 3. Because they will change the way not only that we see life, but the way that we live life and the way that others live their lives because they will see Christ. And if they see Christ, then God, they have a chance to know Christ. Help us to be manifestations of light and love. We ask for these things in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name. Amen. Some of you out there today are not living right. You're just not. There's no other way to say it. You're living as if you are still your old self. Or maybe you haven't even experienced a new self because you don't know who Jesus is. You will make no better decision than to submit to the authority of Christ. You will make no better decision in your entire life than to accept the love and the forgiveness that Christ has to offer you. None, not one. So if you don't know Jesus, you need to come talk to me today. Even if you have questions, you just want to ask questions. 
Let's have a conversation. Let's get that ball rolling, so to speak. But do not leave this place without at least having a conversation, knowing that you don't know who Christ is. Because that is the other side of the coin, and that is the worst decision that you could make. It just is. Some of you know Christ. Some of you know that you're a new creation. But like the church that Paul was speaking to, you have so many issues or or such struggles letting go of the old self. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. You need to come talk to me, pray with me, and we need to come up with some sort of plan about how you can get the ship corrected, so to speak. If you just need prayer, pray with me. Allie's here front. She'll step aside. She'll pray with you. Pray with one of us. Grab anybody. And let's just pray together. Otherwise, let's stand and let's worship God. Because He is the ultimate source of light. Accepted Highly favored of the Lord Forgiven By your love I am transformed It's not what I do But what you've done for me And by your grace, oh God, I stand With my head held high, I receive your
time that we normally take our tithe and our offering. Uh, as you may know, we aren't passing baskets right now because of COVID-related things, but under that uh, lamp back there that Jake called the lamp of deliverance uh, earlier based off of a promo that I cut for my evangelism tour that was facetious, by the way. Um, but under that lamp out there, there's a, there, there's a box, and, and inside that box you can slip your tithe and your offering, or you can give Digitally, if you text give to that phone number, uh, it'll text you back and then you can text how much you want to give and uh, it'll set you up with an app too. If you like apps, it's really user friendly and easy to use, but you can give in those two ways. Um, I'm also going to make one more plug for the uh, kids hygiene drive. 
Um, they, when we say they came up with this all on their own, they literally, thank you, amen. They literally came up with it all on their own. And so I would love to see us support them in this uh, because I think the only thing that that will possibly do is fuel their fire for evangelism and mission and to give more and more. And so I'm really proud of them for coming up with that because when I was their age, I wasn't thinking about others. I was thinking about what I could get for myself. And so um, I'm plugging that just one more time because I would love to see us as a church really fill up their basket uh, and be able to fill up the light that will be in their eyes as a result. And so uh, let's just pray real quick over our offering and then we will continue to worship. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the tithes and the offerings that are going to come our way and the blessing that they are to this church because they allow us to be on mission and they allow us to uh, continue to put on services like these where, where I felt God today. You were here and uh, that's all we ever want. And so just give us wisdom and, and show us as a leadership team how to use these funds so that we can further spread the kingdom of God because at the end of the day, that really is all that matters and that's what we care about the most. And then, Lord, I would just pray that you bless this hygiene drive that the kids uh, have come up with so that we can uh, just kind of further their love for what they're doing. Uh, and I thank you for a, a children's department that is helping grow our kids in a way that, that their heart is missional rather than uh, selfish. And uh, Chelsea just does such a great job with that. So we thank you for that. And that's part of what our ties and our offerings goes to support. And so we just say thank you and, and praise you for this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me and all his love for me. All his love for me. Who the sun sets free, home is free.
Thank you guys for singing with us. Have a great week.